You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. What's up, Mo? Hi, how are you? Good. All right, so Gordon just mentioned there was, you know, the stats look good. The basketball game had nice stats for the Knicks, but the main stat is missing was Will. There was no Will in the Knicks. The Knicks were missing that Will to get the offensive. They, they let Miami get grab offensive rebounds the entire second half. When the game mattered most, they were missing that will to win the game. And you saw it when you watched the entire game. That will was missing from after the first quarter. There was no will. And you got guys getting into foul trouble, doing stupid fouls, and the offensive fouls. Julius Randle crying, and, 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 and he almost got a technical in the fourth. He was screaming about that foul. He's got to give us more will. Mo, I was waiting for the technical to come. I, I thought that the, the ref actually showed good restraint because I, yeah. I would have bet money that that, that technical was coming. I think yep. gave it to him. And, and, and... Mo, you there? All right, Mo's gone. Uh, I'll say this too, Gordon. You know what? Really, after a slow first quarter, I thought the Knicks played better towards the end of the first quarter, right? They were pushing mm-hmm. the basketball. You mm-hmm. saw them, you know, get some easy shots. They hit, did not hit threes, but they hit some mid-range jumpers. Uh, so they were down 31-30 after the first quarter. You like that. But something happened in that second quarter, and it's it's been part of the issue in the series, and that's when Tibbs has gone to his bench. And they have not changed the tempo or continued what the starters have done. And that's what you saw really in that second quarter. Uh, they went through, I think it was a 9-0 run or 9-2, memory serves me correct, by Miami, mm-hmm. where, they, where, where they just took the, they took, just turned the whole tide and momentum that the Knicks had. Uh, so, you know, then, you, then you're trying to bring your starters back in. And, you know, then you're playing catch-up the rest of the way. And I think... Even though it was the second quarter, you figure you got time to come back. It's just like the Knicks were playing catch-up from that second quarter. They never really caught up. And they never put enough enough plays together at both ends of the court, right, where you could turn that tide more dominantly. Uh, you had a situation where, okay, we scored some points, we cut it down to five, we cut down to six, but then they would turn right around and give those five or six points back and you're back in double figures. And they just kept doing that over and over and over again. And it was just, and this offensive rebounds, it was turnovers, it was dumb plays. It was just, it was really frustrating. I, I got to tell you, uh, if I'm Tom Thibodeau, I, I might've been cursing on the sideline too tonight. <laughs> well, I mean, they just didn't get enough stops. No, I mean, I thought the offense was, was sufficient. I think they could have won with the offense, but just the, they, they never got enough stops where they were able to, to really make a push. And every time there was, like, as I said before, like a little pseudo push, right? Like, okay, maybe this is where it's going to start. The, the, the Heat would have an answer. And, it, and the answer would come in whatever form that they needed. If it was a rebound, if it was a stop, if it was a steal, whatever it was, a big three, they had all the answers and uh, the Knicks did not. Nick is in Westchester. What's up, Nick? Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Hey, Nick. Good. So, Larry, you stole some of my thunder a little bit with the ISO, and this is what you get with Tom Thibodeau. This is what he ran with Derrick Rose 10 years ago with their great teams. And you get to the second round, and ISO ball, unless you have top five talent on your team, it will not work in the playoffs because teams 
scheme for you. You become more predictable and easier to defend, and it leads to turnovers and a low shooting percentage. And that's what you're seeing here. And we have our top three scorers are ISO players. Brunson, Randall, and Barrett beat the ball into submission into the deck. That's what they do. So that's the first problem. And Thibodeau throughout the year, he's tried to move the ball. He tells him we're going to move the ball. He just doesn't know how to drive it. You know, you have to basically draw a line in the sand, say this is how you're going to play like Greg Popovich or the, the way they play at Golden State, where they say you're not going to score 30 points. You know, you're going to score 15 points a game. Like when they had, um, um, I forget, who, whoever comes to uh, San Antonio, it's a system. And it's constant, a five-out motion offense. They don't stop moving, and, and that's how they play it. And the second thing for us is our three-point three defense the whole year has been poor because we lacked length and speed. And people like Randall, Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, they cannot move quick enough, and they're still good players. I'm not saying they're bad players, but a team like Miami – They've made their bones on the three-point shot. And the reason they out-rebounded us tonight is not because they're stronger. They have length and athleticism. So, for us, we need to get longer. We need more speed. I'm not saying it's over. Miracles do happen, and we're going to need one to get to the next round. Thank you. All right, Nick. Thanks for checking in. I I hear what you're saying. But I do listen. They they were they've been on the boards with Miami this series. This is really the first time that it's been bad where Miami has out rebounded them. They've been comparable with Miami on the boards this series. So I hear what you're saying about the rebounding. And once again, all season, Gordon. I mean, the Knicks have been third. They were third in the league in rebounding and third in offensive rebounding. So mm-hmm. they have their strength. That that's been their strength. That's how really that's how they won games because they really don't shoot that well. It's the second chances that have been helping them out. Okay, and their ability, Gordon, to push the basketball, which they can't do against Miami because a they're not making, they're not getting the rebounds, and b uh, they're they're not you know pushing the shots enough. They 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 seem to just be slowing down. And you know I've been saying push the basketball, push the basketball, but they don't seem to be doing that. So um, look, it, it's it's a little tougher matchup than a lot of folks thought it would be. But the one thing that you knew about Miami coming in was that they were—they're not afraid of playing physical. It's not Cleveland; they're not afraid of—they're not afraid of playing physical, and they've done so. And some of the rebounds have been long rebounds, to be fair. But some of them, guys have just—they let them take it right out of their hands. It's like they don't know what—they they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you knew that the Heat were going to not melt down in the big spot, also like the Cavs did in the previous round. It's almost like the Heat are the anti-Cavs, right? Yes. They're going to be well coached. They're going to, they're they're prepared for the moment. Uh, they're not going to melt down in the big, you know, spotlight hits them and that type of stuff. So, and that has been the case in, certainly in the last two games. Definitely so. Uh, Stretches and Yonkers, what's up, Stretch? Hey, Larry Gordon, how you guys doing? Good to speak to you again. Hey, Stretch. What's going on? So first. Um, I agree with everything you guys have been saying. I don't disagree with a word you've been saying. Rebounds, how they've been playing, the the heart, the effort, everything I've been saying. If I could. um, Oh, by the way, also, your callers haven't been as crazy as the Michael K. show callers, even though I love that show, too. Um, Even though, um, especially those Yankees fans, Gordon, I know you're a 
big uh, Yankees guy. I'm not one of those Yankee fans, so hopefully I have a little bit more sense. If I can, if I may, just add like two bits maybe to the conversation, because you're only going to wind up having this part of the conversation in the future anyway, so you might as well get this uh, conversation rolling because we're not winning this. Let's be, let's be honest, boys. Since the season's done. Um, what do you think of this? If Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Jimmy Butler a free agent coming up? I'm not sure. I'll have to check and see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Well, all right. You want him? So the real yeah, – I'm just asking because the real point of what I'm asking for is, like, I think the Knicks look attractive enough where we can get that, like, second-level player that can take us past the uh, second-round type of thing. Randall's not the guy. I appreciate everything he's been doing, honestly, but – you know, just with the eye test, you could tell he's not the guy. I think, honestly, the best place for Randall at this point right now is off the bench, like right next with, with Josh Hart, honestly. I think if you can get somebody like the, like a Jimmy Butler, like a, somebody, you know, who's ready for that, like, next level type of play, like, you know, type of play, um, that I really think that um, we got something actually uh, to talk about here. I can't wait to hear your answer, guys. Good, so good to speak to you again. All right, Stretch, thanks for checking in. Uh, Jimmy Butler is in the middle of a four-year, $184 million contract extension that runs through the 25-26 season. Yeah, he has a player option in 25-26 for $52 million. Yeah, so I'm, I'm is, assuming he will accept that. I think he will. <laughs> I know I, I would. would. <laughs> yeah, I know I would. I, and he'll I, be 36 when that happens. Yeah, so, uh, no, I hear what you're saying, and, yeah, that, that, is, that is what the Nick front office will have to look at. All right, and that is how to take the next step with this team. Um, I, I, I still, I still think you need a, a, you know, you know the phrase, Gord, a three and D guy. You know that that's a wing player, six eight, six nine wing player who can hit the three, athletic and defend and run the floor. They don't build them. <laughs> if, you, if you if you can find one, it, it will help your team, and that's that's where the Knicks are. But I really believe that right now the way this front office is, and they may change, we'll see, but I think they want to build around Brunson and Randall, Gordon. I don't think they want to take Randall unless they get an unbelievable deal. Yep. They get an I, unbelievable deal for Randall, they'll move him. But I think they kind of want to – now, Barrett, I don't know. He might not be as unmovable as he was last season, right? But I still think that they want to keep the Brunson-Randall uh, duo together and add to them. I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to subtract Randall from this team. They do not want to take a step back. They want to push and and get better and build. And I think that they unless, as you said, they get some. Some team says, you know who we need, Julius Randall, and they have a piece that improves the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks are are looking to be shopping uh, Julius Randall. Now you might think that that's a mistake. I think that that's a mistake. I think it, 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 it this if this series goes the way it looks right now. I think you have more than enough evidence that you can get to a certain level with him being your one or one A, but I'm not running the Knicks, man. It's pretty clear their their thought process is not all that tough to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and once again, nobody's saying it's all his fault, and nobody's no, saying no, that he's no, the main reason or anything like that. But when you are the top one of the top two players on your team, a lot is expected of you, Gordon, especially in big moments. And, you know, whether we say it's the ankle this time, whatever we say, I mean, he's just not he's just not been the guy that you've expected. Okay, he's not. And all that's got to be taken into consideration 
when you sit down at the end of the season and look and say, okay, how do we move forward with this team? Well, this is not – we still need more pieces. And, Gordon, we knew we needed more pieces before. Mm-hmm. All right, before the season started, you knew this, this wasn't a team that was going to the conference finals. Although, you know, wow, a couple of plays and you might be there. But still, you knew from a talent standpoint you weren't there. You knew that you need to do some other things to get to that point. And so that's what you do. That's what you worry about. And you sit down and you talk it over with your front office personnel and your scouts and everybody. And then you handle that at the end of the season. But for right now, your job is to win a game. Okay? You have to win the next game Wednesday night at the Garden. And how do you do that when they seem to, Gordon, know your plays? They seem to know where the players are going. They seem to know. They they just have – they have you figured out offensively so well that you are struggling. Everything is a struggle to the point that now you are, you're so worn out, you can't even, you don't even have enough energy to dive and go for the 50-50 balls that you normally get. Yeah. And, and just to get back to Randall, playoff Randall is the worst version of Randall. Yeah. That's a is. problem. It is. 1-800-919-3776. We got more thoughts on the Knicks next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Are you under the impression that there's any team out there that says, you know what, get the Yankees on the horn. We got to get Aaron Hicks here immediately. No, no. But I think this Cashman can, you know, make some work his magic and get Uh, him out of here. Yeah, He would be David Blaine if he could work that magic. I like how Hicks hits it and it's like, oh, there's another one. You know, like, oh, throw that one on the pile. (laughs) The guy, I don't remember who gave it up. You know, I was flipping back and forth and stuff like that. Whoever that was, the guy should have put his glove down on the mound and just walked Walked away. Just walked away. It's over. I'm I'm officially announcing. I fully expect that guy to end up on the IL tomorrow. Oh, man. I see. Uh-huh. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Al in the Big Apple. What's up, Al? What's going on, guys? Um, This is real simple. This is an effort loss. This loss is all about effort. Okay? Miami wanted the ball more than the Knicks. Now, how does that happen? Well, when your best players don't give the effort on the defensive end, and I love Randall. Don't get me wrong, I love him. But he always shows he's tired on the defensive end, but as soon as he gets the ball on offense, he's ready to go. And, and, And also, why are we doubling Butler? Like, Like he's an elite scorer. This is why they're getting all those wide-open threes. We're, we're doubling all the time. Man up. If Butler scored 40, you stop everybody else, you win. We need a dog. The Knicks need a dog. We need somebody like a Zach Levine. We need somebody on a wing who's a dog who does not fear anybody and can go get it. All right, now I hear what you're saying. Zach Levine is not that player, though. No, I, I don't. I do not <laughs> see Zach Levine and think that's a dog. No, I, I don't. I don't. Um, and yeah, I will agree with you about the effort, uh, especially off the off the boards. And Gordon, that's an issue because that's two games in a row, mm-hmm. and that's that's not how the Knicks play. 
That's not how they play. They normally fight. They normally crash the boards. It's not how they play. But once again, they are with this. And it, I understand why you double Butler because you're trying to get the ball out of his hands because right. you know he's going to make the smart play. So, all right, let him go. I want somebody else to beat me. I don't want Butler to beat me. I want somebody else to beat me. It's really the same thing Miami's doing because Miami's like, Brunson's not going to beat us. Let's take the ball out. But that's why they're picking him up full court. They came out picking him up full court. Why? To wear him down, Gordon. He's got to dribble against the pressure all the time. Dribble against the pressure. Handle the ball. And, you know, we'll see if they do some things that maybe, you know, Barrett can handle the ball a little bit, even though he had a bad turnover. If he handles the ball, just stay in the middle of the court, please. Don't go to the sidelines. Uh, So maybe that would be some things that they could do to get to free up Jalen Brunson. But but that's the issue. You're trying to get the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands, and because of that movement that you're flying around, guys are out of position. And so when you get the long rebounds, you have sometimes a long way to go to get them. But they've got to come up with them. They need the extra rebounds, and they just have to be that much more physical than they've been. They know how to do it. They just that's normally what they do. Yeah, the the Knicks don't have like uh, a wide range of ways to beat you. Nope. Like they, they be, you know how they're going to beat you if they're going to beat you and, and rebounding, especially offensive rebounds. That has to be something that they have in their column and they have not had that the last two games. Rob's in Staten Island. What's up, Rob? What's up guys. How you doing? All right. Hey Rob. How's it going? Good. Good. What's All up? right. I think this really, I really think it comes down to, this is not really, in my opinion, based on skill. This is, this is based on the effort, and that comes with the Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. He has these guys that, like, what, 3% body fat? He has them training and conditions like Navy SEALs. They're not going for the loose balls. They're not crashing the boards how they should be. This is not a skill. This has nothing to do with skill right now. The Knicks are a better skill set team than the Miami Heat. But well, it I'll comes down this, to the condition. I'll say this, Rob, and thanks for the phone call. I will agree with you not for the percentage of body fat, but I will agree with you based on the fact that Spolster uses more people. Gordon, there's 10 people. You come to the arena knowing you're going to play with Eric Spolster, and you know you have a role. You know what that role is. You know you're going to get time to play, right? And you might be out of the lineup if you don't play well. If you play well, you earn yourself back into the lineup. His bench is deeper. So from that, I will agree that that is an edge for Miami. I'm not really to go against the 4% body fat or 3% body fat. I'm not ready to do that. And I think it's what you you hit on earlier. The coaching is so good that they know what the Knicks are going to do before the Knicks do it. Mm-hmm. So they have to struggle so much on the offensive end that when you know loose balls or effort plays, they're they're getting worn down. You can't allow that to happen. You have to fight through that, and the Knicks have to have that to win these games. They've not had them, but it just feels like the the Heat are just a little bit better at everything, uh, especially the coaching angle. Uh, they they have they, we knew that going in that Eric Spolster is one of the best, if not the best, head coach next to to Popovich, but. It has certainly paid dividends for Miami. He is quickly moving up that playoff ladder, Gordon Damer, mm-hmm. in wins, Eric Spolstra. He's quickly moving up that ladder. And don't look now, but they could end up in the finals again, <laughs> the conference finals and the NBA finals again. I mean, I wouldn't bet against them. How would you bet yep. against them? No. 
It would be tough. And in fa- like, I know that we all thought, hey, we got the heat. We're, we want the heat. Yeah, we can beat the heat. And you take a look at the, the, the talent and what Miami was missing coming into the series and where the Knicks were at coming into the series. The heat did take out the number one seed in the Bucs. They did. They did. They did. And, yeah, you figure they got a couple of games because Giannis wasn't there. That's fair. Right, That's right. true. But they still right. – I mean, they won it in five. Yeah, and, and, they beat, and they won it with Giannis on the floor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it was the easier of the two that you thought. But, once again, it's, it's, it's a team that knows you very well. Mm-hmm. And that's turned out to be something that's been an issue right now. We got more calls to take, Gordon. There's more people trying to vent. They want to vent. A lot of woosah going on tonight. Woosah. <laughs> let it out. Let it out. Let it out. We're here for you on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. A.M. in the morning. They'll recap the Nick situation for you. Also talk a little baseball. And you never know what's going to come out of the mouth of Rick and Dave. That's tomorrow morning between 6 and 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Going to head back to the phones. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. What's up, Trey? What's going on, fellas? What's going on, Trey? I appreciate y'all taking the call, man. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, this is, uh, you know. Yes, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> um, we are void of a Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi type, Larry. Mm-hmm. We, we've been talking about this all year long, 3 and D. Yep. Uh, this is why, you know, this is and, – and, 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 and Gordon, to get to you real quick, how we – you know, we kind of went back and forth about this Luka thing. I think this is a game where Luka would have been jumping around looking for calls tonight, getting mad at the refs. He would have been doing the same thing Julius Randle's doing. Like, this team showed a lot of immaturity tonight, a lot of, a lot of body language that I didn't like seeing on May 8th. Do we – I mean, I mean, one, to be blessed enough to be playing this deep into May – but to have New York across your damn chest on May 8th to be playing a rival game, and if I had to hear Iron Eagle say the Knicks have cut it to 10 one more time, <laughs> if I had to hear him say it, it was like 17 times I heard him say, and the Knicks are <laughs> they're getting right back in it, they cut it to 10. It was like Groundhog Day with that dude tonight. And, you know, it, it, it is it, it's one thing to be – to be outplayed. I don't have a problem with that. We're not the best team. That's okay. But to be out-hustled, to be out-gridded, to be out – just that thing that we're supposed to have, that made me, really made me mad tonight. And I'm going to tell you like this. Eric Spolster, that's the best coach in basketball. With that team, doing what he's doing, mm-hmm. that's the best coach in the sport. I know Mike Brown won the thing, won the, won the, uh, the coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Eric Spolster – Man, this dude is so underrated as a coach. I can't express enough how much he has been a thorn in yard and you know what for how many years, man. And it, don't tell me it's Pat Riley up there pulling the strings. I know he does that already. But Eric Spolster's on the floor, man. He is making adjustments. He is getting the most. We are going to not go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Listen to this, Larry. Not because of Jimmy Butler. Because of Struess yeah, and Gabe Vincent. And Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry, old man River, who's hustling, getting getting offensive re- rebounds. They look like, bro. Let me tell you something. Tonight down there for a minute, they looked like a hockey team in a power play down there. They couldn't get anything couldn't out get of anything that daggone zone. Couldn't Am I lying? Zone, right. You're right. You're right. They couldn't, couldn't get anything out of their zone. 
You're right. They couldn't get. They, they stayed in that. But we were talking about it earlier, Gordon. The, the Knicks were mm-hmm. down there forever. I mean, they must have had four or five different possessions, and the Knicks just couldn't get the ball. Couldn't get it. Oh, so frustrating. So frustrating. They got to do better on the boards, Gordon. Otherwise, it's, 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 I mean, it's, if you're not going to do that, then everything else is is just window dressing, right? If, like if it yeah. doesn't start there, it's not good. Dante's in Queens. Hey, Dante. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, just a couple things I want to chime in with the Knicks. With being down 3-1, the best-case scenario is I would feel like force a game six, at least you don't have to have the embarrassment of getting eliminated on your home floor. I, 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 would, I would just take that as like a moral victory. And if you lose games, whatever, so be it. Right now, I feel like, you know, yes, they're getting out hustled. But as as much as it pains me to say, you know, from a talent standpoint, it's just like, yeah, we should have the more talent. But, like, I I haven't said this much about the the Knicks this year. Like, in this series, they're just mentally weak. I just think it's all upstairs because – you know, I understand playoffs is a different animal, but I mean, you had some close fought games with um, this team, but you, you you beat them the three out of four. You found a way to pull out the close games. Y'all don't have the confidence to feel like you can beat this team. And it's too many useless guys not earning their money. You know, you know what Grimes has given you nothing. Hart's given you Nothing this series, and it's just like it's it's too much. Well, I'll say this, Dante, and thanks for the phone call. You have to remember, regular season is different from playoffs. You can own a team in the regular season and lose to them in the playoffs. A team can be dominated by you in the regular season but beat you in the playoffs by making adjustments. So it, it's because there's too many variables, Gordon. Is who you played before. Is it their third game in, in five nights mm-hmm. when you play them? It's not a fair – it's not a level playing field. No, it's not. There's just too many variables. But here when here's the, here is the challenge. They don't have anybody else to prepare for but you. What are you going to do? That's very simple. What are you going to do? You're the only thing on their mind. <laughs> it's all about you. And – you know, and it's really Gordon Jimmy Butler has not really killed the Knicks in this series. He has not. He he's is. Really he's him. been really good, but he has not. It's not the Buck series where he's just single-handedly destroying people and scoring forty and fifty points. No, I mean, their stars have showed up. Butler has showed up. Adebayo showed up, but it's the other guys who have showed up too. The, the Strauss, the Kevin Love had some big baskets tonight. Um, uh, Caleb Martin had some big baskets tonight. Kyle Lowry. Uh, that's what the frustrating point is. Their stars are better than your stars. Their role players are better than your role players. Their bench is better than your bench. And it feels like the gap is getting wider. Yeah. It it looks like you don't have an answer. Right. For what they do. That's what it looks like right now. It looks like you don't have an answer. They are the smarter team on the floor right now. That's been the big difference. Joey's in Staten Island. What's up, Joey? Hey, what's up, fellas? Joey. We're doing um, to talk to us. Listen, I wanted two things. Yeah. 
Mitchell Robinson looked like he was dead in the four minutes left when he got all of my offensive rebounds, Miami. I swear. He looked like Ray Bolger from the, the Wizard of Oz. He's unbelievable. Dead, dead. He couldn't get up and down the floor. It was horrible. And the other thing I wanted to say, thanks to your colleague, Anita Mark, picking the Knicks in five. Oh, put the jinx on us. Thank you, Anita. That's not Anita's That's fault. Not I'm Anita's blaming fault. Anita on that one. No, outrageous. She's although she has made as many impact plays as some of the Knicks have made in this series. <laughs> it's not Anita's fault that the Knicks it are down. This There's a long list of reasons, and Anita is not on that list. Not on the list at all. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard. Hey, fellas. You, you know, you guys got intelligent callers because I agree with everything everybody is saying. You know, uh, you know, Larry, I agree with you. First of all, this seems like the Atlanta series, and I'll go back to the Indiana series 10 years ago. Mm. Once the Knicks lose game one at home, they're finished. They've never won a series after they lose game one. Kyle Lowry is playing better than Chris Paul. I'll tell you that. Yeah. They're more savvy. They're smarter. They're quicker to the ball. The Knicks look frustrated. Uh, Larry, can I get one thing out, though? Over the sure, weekend, uh, one of the greats of baseball passed away. Not a Hall of Famer, but... Vida Blue. Now, I'm going to give you five names, and I, I've seen all five of them. I couldn't tell you who had the biggest impact. But we'll start with Vida Blue, then go to Mark Fidrich, Fernando Valenzuela, mm. Dwight Gooden, and then lastly, Matt Harvey. And if you took those, Vida Blue was the first of the group of five. And I'm not talking about their careers or their impact on baseball. But if you took those five guys and what they did for baseball. Man, all five of those guys, when they came in, Vida Blue was certainly the precursor to Dwight Gooden. Yeah, he was awesome. every bit as good as they were. I couldn't tell you who was made the biggest impact, those five guys, but Vida Blue. And just think, Gordon, Vida Blue and Reggie Jackson were picked in the same draft, 1967, the Kansas City Athletics, as they were that year. And, uh, they were both unbelievable, obviously, but Vida Blue was as big as anybody. Three championship teams with the Oakland A's, and the poor guy, something happened with him with the drugs and all that. He never really fulfilled his promise. Although he was great when he was great. He was like Gooden. I'm telling you, they had mirror careers. He was probably a little better than Gooden uh, and probably better than Valenzuela. So he was the best out of the five. But, boy, when he came in, Larry, you remember him, huh, when he came mm-hmm. in in 71, 70. Yeah, boy, he was yeah. huge. God, was he. And he was great. He had that smooth delivery, yeah. just like Gooden. Strikeout mm-hmm. pitcher. And uh, he was wonderful, Vida Blue. But a quiet kid, never heard much about him. You know, the Oakland A's in those days had a loud team and all those great players at Reggie Jackson and Joe Rudy and Sal Bando. But he was great. Fellas, always a pleasure. But I had to mention Vida Blue because he, he was big, Larry. He was big. And that Kansas City, te- uh, that Oakland team was as big as any Yankee team, really. Big as any Cincinnati Big Red Machine team, big as any uh, St. Louis Cardinal team, that uh, Oakland athletic team was unbelievable, and Vita Blue was a key, a key cog of that group. Fellas, always a pleasure. Thank All you, right, guys. Richard, thanks for checking in Yeah, with the Ken Holtzman and Catfish Hunter. I remember those teams very well, Gordon. Losing to them in 73 as a Met fan, uh, so I remember those very well. Uh, Gordon, your, your thoughts about uh, him mentioning Mark Fidrich, uh, talking to the baseball behind the mound? Right, yeah. I don't think Fidrich me- measures, although he was a huge sensation. I don't really remember. Vita Blue's too, uh, yeah, too long too, ago for mm-hmm, me, but mm-hmm. he is the, I believe he's still the, the, the answer to the trivia question, the last American League MVP to be a switch hitter. 
was Vita Blue. Wow. Isn't that amazing? 71. Won the yeah. Cy Young and the MVP that year. So, yeah. uh, I, I, to me, there's nobody that could ever match Gooden. I mean, Gooden no. was like must-see TV. He was. Um, so I don't remember Vita Blue. I always thought he had the coolest name. I remember growing up, Vita yeah. Blue. I thought it was such a cool name, but um, it's a little bit before my time. When we return, I'm going to share a story with you, Gordon, that Richard just popped, made me think of. It just popped in my head. I'm going to share a story with you that I overheard before a Met game in old Shea Stadium's press lounge between the late, great Don Drysdale and a reporter talking about Dwight Gooden. And it's fascinating. I'll share that with you next on 98.7 ESPN.